Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Hey, Oxygen Starved listeners, welcome back to another episode where we bring you your adventure books and conversation from 11,000 feet. I'm one of the hosts for your day, Christopher, and with me is... I'm Stacy, and with us, as always, is producer Doug. Hey, Hi, Doug. Doug. Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. The f- summer is waning. It's no. summer is waning. And the rabbit brush is blooming. Hot <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're all suffering. It's the last, in a good way. The last fling for hay fever sufferers yeah, around here. Totally, right? yes. But it's you know, I this is my. I have to say, it's my favorite time of year. It really is. Yeah, it's a beautiful time yeah. of year. It's both um, just scenically, but also psychologically, right? Because we start to nest and want to like be cozy and wait for the temperatures to drop. And yeah, and sweater weather. Sweater weather, <laughs> so less ironing of shirts on my part. So yeah, yeah it's, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's beautiful that there's a teeny tiny bit of yellow in the trees. The leaves are starting to turn, and yeah. you just have that crispness in the air, and besides the pollen. Besides but, the pollen, exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's good it, time of year. It's the time of year when... Um, a number of the outdoor festivals that we mentioned previously in the previous episode, there's always something going on in the Eastern Sierra on a weekend. Yes. This is kind of the wind down for it, the season, right? It, it really is. And this, as we're recording, we're recording this on September 15th, mm-hmm. I think. And um, Mill Pond Festival starts this weekend, right. starts today. Right. And it runs all weekend and, you know, lots and lots of bands and, Good time, good food trucks, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like the last, the last big Hurrah. thing of the season. Yeah, yeah. for sure. People come from all over to hear these bands. They do down there and camp, and camp. it's a, it's a great vibe. It's good for too because sure. it's down the hill, it's down the grade, you know, down right. the Bishop. Um, and this time of year, you can be out there. It's not a hundred degrees all day. Exactly. So. Yeah, and it gets a little chilly at night. So if you're gonna head out, bring a sweater. <laughs> but yeah, we we had some, you know, as you said, there's always something going on. And, you know, we did talk about the Margarita Festival uh, on a last uh, previous episode. Right. And today we, we've got another festival to talk about it. And this one was kind of the last one in the village in, Mam- um, in Mammoth Lakes. Yeah. And that's the Rock and Rye Festival, right. which is a, a tribute to whiskey and all related and all its uh, varietals. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the yeah. model the term you used last time. Yes, it's uh, it, it's it's really cool. It's a really cool event. They've got you can sign up as as we did uh, for a tasting, mm-hmm. which I have to say was kind of lost on me because I'm not a whiskey drinker mm-hmm. or you know any dark colored spirits. I don't jive with so, right. but it was really fun and it's really the, these vendors come from all over the country mm-hmm. and you get to sample their little whiskeys and their tastings and they have great stories to tell. And, you know, of course all the locals come out. I was going to say, you see your neighbors and friends. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, it's been going on for some, some time now. And so that, that's a really fun event and you can look for that to show up 
in like late August, early September right. um, every year. So yeah. that's that's the Rock and Rye Festival. And the other fun thing that that we've adventured to this summer is the Shakespeare Festival. So couldn't find two more diametrically opposed <laughs> uh, activities, but um, the Shakespeare Festival has been going on quite a while too. And that's the the brainstorm of Allison Page and Shira Dubrovner. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we if we haven't had them on yet, we have, we've got to get them on. What's up? Yes, um, but um, they they present uh, a Shakespeare play sometimes two. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they even have a, a kids production, which they they didn't this year. But um, this year they put on Hamlet, mm-hmm. and it's really fun. They have it over in Sam's Woods, and you bring your chairs and your picnics and your charcuterie boards and a blanket, and you hang out and you get to watch some locals performing and performing very well, right? Um, a Shakespeare play, and it's super fun. And sophisticated. It's a kind of a sophisticated thing. It is. And I, it was, you know, it really it really cracked me up that my about-to-be college daughter and her boyfriend, they, that they actually they made a picnic for themselves, and oh, they went and they, sweet. they went and watched a Shakespeare play. And I thought that was really great for two, you know, young people to do something like that. You know, and right. it runs for about a month, so oh, there's great. lots of opportunities to, to see it. Yeah, that's it's it's more sophisticated than what we did in my household. We just we went to the fair, the Tri County oh, Fair, right, uh, right, down in Bishop, which is in Yomono and Alpine counties. Yes, and um, normally we buy tickets to the Destruction Derby. I've talked about that on the past episode. Yes, we didn't quite get tickets this year, so we missed out on that. But we did go to the fair, and you. You go in and you see the, you know, the baking contest and who won right. the quilting. The quilting, and, yes. And the art and the photography and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. We don't ride the rides anymore, but, you know, we, we go in for the more adult. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's fun people watching. Oh, sure. You know, sure. And they had a, they, they always have a good concert yeah. and, um, I actually knew one of the songs of the person who played this year. I can't oh, yeah. remember. Chris something is, I can't remember his last name, but. Um, yeah, he's he's the guy who sings um, "It Can Buy Me a Boat," which is my ringtone for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. a purposeful. So ringtone. I, I, that. I was sad that we missed seeing him, but um, yeah, the you know Tri County Fair is another kind of hallmark of summer's over. Well, you know, if you're sad, you miss that music act at the fairgrounds coming up shortly after this episode is released, I believe is vanilla ice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have been, we, that has been a topic of conversation in our house. As it has in our house. Yes. And so that might be a, listeners. You, you might hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> it, might be, it might be its own adventure. Totally. Just when you thought you never heard it from him again. Exactly. But adventures yeah. to be had. Yeah, so much, so many fun things to do and, um, you know, little things that that kind of are starting to mark what time of the year we're in and, you know, you can look forward to them and, you know, the Shakespeare Festival, there's no cost to go, which is really nice that the rock and rye, you you can just show up. You don't have to do a tasting right. and you can still, you know, sample some really good whiskey cocktails mm-hmm. and good concerts. Yeah. You know, we, we saw the Young Dubliners this year, which is a band that we 
seen many times when we were young mm-hmm. and living down south. So that was <laughs> that was really fun to see them. So well, there's always something going on here to adventure in one way or another. Well, we hope, listeners, you are enjoying adventures right now as we slide into fall in the Eastern Sierra. And uh, we will be right back to talk about books. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast, a colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners. We are at the B book section of our podcast, and today we're talking about young adult fiction, right. which is like a boom um, genre right now. It's having its moment. It is having a, a really good moment, right? Yeah. A lot of really good, interesting stuff out. And we're going to talk about some of those titles today. And it's been a while since we talked about a young adult it, book. It ha- yeah, it's been quite a while. And there is the the quality of young adult literature in the last five, ten years has really in- just Increased. increased so much since, I mean, since I was a young adult. Right. <laughs> it's no longer Island of the Blue Dolphins. It's, yeah, it, exactly. There's quite a few things that, that, that young adults um, these days get to choose from. Absolutely. Really yeah. So we're, we're going to talk about a few titles that, that we've read. So yeah. Christopher, why don't you start us off? Sure. So um, I'm going to talk quickly about two titles. And the first one, some of you may have heard me chat about this before, because I've seen I've, I've sold this book to 20 gazillion people over the summer. <laughs> I love it so much. Including my husband. Oh, we're yeah. awesome. Good. This is uh, a book by Daniel Krauss, who has written a number of YA books. Um, although this one isn't necessarily marketed as young adult. I mean, it's kind of being marketed as an adult book, but the protagonist is 17 years old. So I think it counts. It's called Whale Fall. And the story is 17-year-old Jay Gardner's father, who spent his life on the water off the coast of California near Monterey, um, he perishes at sea, right? And his body is not found. And that leads young Jay, of course, to struggle, you know, emotionally, sure. struggling with the death of your father. There's no closure there. Right. He's struggling in school. He's struggling with his family. And he gets it in his head that he really, to solve all this and to get past it, he needs to find his dad's body because his body was never recovered. It was in the ocean. Yeah. And so deep down, he understands this is a crazy idea, of course, but nevertheless, one day you find him suiting up in scuba gear and wading out into the water off Monterey, which is, you know, cold, cold. <laughs> it's got the kelp forests right. and seals and all that. Yeah. A lot of people scuba dive off sure. that area. It's, it's such a rich area, but he knowingly, knowing that it's a bad idea, he, he goes out past all of that where the shelf kind of drops yeah. into the ocean and it becomes super deep almost immediately, right? Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, this this isn't good, but he's going to do it anyway. And when almost as soon as he gets to that deep part, he encounters a giant squid, which this, these are creatures we know right. normally live in the deep, deep, deep. Right. You see them at the surface, they're like they're dead yeah. or... Something else yeah. is happening. And right. he almost as, as he's realizing this, that it's a giant squid he's seeing, he's, he feels something happening underneath him. 
this creeps me out because I have the fear of the deep. Okay. I forget what that, that phobia is. Yeah, I don't know either. Phobia or something like that. Um, but he's out there paddling, you know, in scuba gear uh-huh. in the deep, deep water. Something's happening underneath him. And it remembers the things that feed on giant squid are giant sperm whales. And sure enough, a sperm whale comes rushing up after the squid and within a heartbeat it feels like he is in literally in the belly of a whale in his scuba gear with an hour's worth of oxygen left oh my God. in his tank that is the premise to the story i'm not giving anything away that's on the book jacket and every review so that's does this, the story take place in that hour like mm-hmm. the whole story takes place in that hour mostly the okay. author Krause he alternates chapters to keep okay. the suspense going and also to keep it from becoming too heavy right right the chapters alternate between him you know uh, you know, his family interactions, his struggles with his friends and stuff like that. And then every alternating chapter is he's in the whale and how does he get out? And the fascinating thing is, is Daniel Krause himself is fascinated by sea creatures and the sea. He he apparently helped Guillermo del Toro create the movie Shape of Water that came out decades ago. So he actually did a lot of research into sperm whales and what would happen if someone got, swallowed by one it's a highly unlikely right. um but there's a lot of factoids in this that really add to the suspense um and kind of creep you out and is is the whale personified or nope. it's just it's just a whale it's just a okay. yeah it's just a whale it's okay. just like a a big creature who has no idea what it just swallowed, swallowed. Got so it. um and you know the one factoid that i'll leave tantalize the readers with is that you know sperm whale have teeth but they don't use teeth to chew. So something else chews okay. when you get swallowed by a whale. Uh, wow. I will just plant that seed right there, and I encourage you to come to the library and check out right. The Whale Fall by Daniel Krause. got all sorts of excellent reviews. All right. It's really gripping, really suspenseful. Um, and as I told people, again, because I have like a fear of deep ocean, yeah. like for me it was a horror story. But, <laughs> um, other people I think will just read it as the nice suspenseful Cool. Afternoon reading. Well, I like yeah, I said, is. my husband is it's on his TBR red or desk, mm-hmm. you know, next to his bed, ready to go. So he can read it, and he'll read it very, very quickly. Good. It's it's, it's a pretty short book. So that's the first one, <laughs> okay. and then the other one I'm going to talk about really quickly. I haven't actually finished yet, but I'm enjoying it so much. I'm going to talk okay. about it now. It's called When the Angels Left the Old Country by Sasha Lamb. Mm-hmm. And this, again, just came out. It's another novel getting multiple starred reviews from just about every review source. And this is a quest story with a twist. And so the premise here is that in this tiny shuttle in Eastern Europe, the, the shuttle is so small, the town doesn't even have a name. Okay. A demon and an angel have been studying Talmud together for centuries. Okay. That's the very start of the story. Okay. Um, and as you might expect in these kind of stories, the demon is small but precocious, mm-hmm. while the angel is more measured and mature yeah. and reserved. And they've been doing this for centuries, but now it's kind of the late 1800s, early 1900s, and they're becoming perturbed, or the demon is, really, okay. because all the young people that it would normally demonize yeah. are leaving the town, leaving the village, and emigrating to America. Okay. Uh, which everyone knows was like, you know, that time period was a huge emigration. Right, right. Of of people, all cultures. Of yeah. All cultures yeah. coming in along the eastern seaboard and what have you really helped shape what America became in the 20th century. So it it's an interesting time to set this mm-hmm. book. Um, so a little 
concerned about this. And then when one of these young women um, who emigrates goes missing, the demon and the angel decide to go off and find her to figure out what happened. Okay. They're going on a quest, All right. Right? which is typical of many young adult yes. stories. The story I will tell you is very atmospheric and character-driven. It's steeped in Jewish folklore in the Talmud. And um, as little Ash, as the demon is known, okay. and the angel, whose name seems to evolve through the story, so I'm going to try and give the name of the angel. Okay. They travel from their little shtetl to Hamburg and then board a steerage on a steamship to New York City. And again, this time period, they're in there with every other immigrant in steerage, mm-hmm. right? You were kind of given really bare bones accommodations and you were on the water for weeks and weeks at a time. Right. And most people had never been on water. So it's a lot of being seasick and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, also just kind of being apprehensive that you're leaving the old country and you're right. going to the land where those streets are purportedly paved with gold. gold. Yes. But there's all sorts of rumors that, you know, as happened at Ellis Island, you could get turned back. Right. So what are you going to do if you get turned back at Ellis Island? How are you going to answer the questions? Are you going to be healthy enough by the time you right. get out to student and all these kind of things? So it's all kind of fascinating there. But on this boat, they meet a couple of other characters. One is a young woman and another is the ghost of an old man. And each of them need their help in some way. So they decide to help them too, okay. adding to the quest. And then along the way, you know, the demon and the angel are hiding their true identities from the other passengers around so, them. So they, so other, the other passengers like can see them. They have like yeah. human form. Yeah, they do. They just don't know that they're yeah. okay. Like the, the demon has like chicken feet kind of feet, but he always wears shoes. Okay. So like no one can really tell him. <laughs> right. And the angel, you know, and so um, they're trying to just, come up, pass off as other humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but along the way, they learn stuff about themselves. They learn stuff about each other. And one thing that is potentially troubling is that the closer they get to America, the more human the angel seems to be coming. He gets tired and he needs uh-huh. to sleep and he needs to eat real food. And so this all you know, feeds into the story. And again, I'm not totally finished with the book. Okay. I might want to talk about it more. Right. Um, there's a lot more to it, but I'm totally sucked into it. It's very detailed and complex. And it does include a glossary in the back for the Yiddish and Hebrew terms that are used throughout. But the author makes very little attempt to dumb down the terms and the cultural references for Gentile readers mm-hmm. like myself. Uh-huh. So this kind of just adds to the atmosphere right. of the book as you're reading it and it makes it more interesting. And again, you know, by setting in this time of history when so many people were fleeing persecution to come to the U.S. only to find in some ways the you know, life lessons got harsher once you were in a right. big city. It kind of has a lot of themes that kids today would appreciate. Okay. Um, and he is also able to incorporate many themes, including explorations of identity and relationships and racism and the nature of good versus evil when your everyday life is spent in sweatshops in a city teeming with competing cultures and values. So, so it's not necessarily a book that's a like a parable of a you know, a Bible story yeah. or anything like that. It's just a... And if you don't have any knowledge of Jewish, Jewish folklore. folklore, you're going to be okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. It's, it's yeah. you know, I think a lot of people who have Ashkenazi Jewish heritage will immediately relate to a lot of what goes on here. Uh-huh. So, um, Upper Eastern Europe, Poland, Germany, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but for the average person uh, like me, yeah. <laughs> the average non-Jewish person, right. I should say, um, 
it doesn't impede the reading mm-hmm. at all. It actually just makes it slightly interesting. And it, yeah. it makes you think of other books like The Gollum and the Gene that came out of about a decade ago right. did really well. It was kind of similar things. Okay. Um, and also just books about angels and demons. There's surprisingly a large number of them. And I, the most obvious is uh, Terry Pratchett's and Neil Gaiman's Good Omens, which mm-hmm. was made into a TV series. Right, well. right. And it's kind of a jokey kind of thing. Yeah. And some of that humor is here in this book mm-hmm. as well. So... You know, I think it's it's a fantasy book, but it's a really rich, rich, rich Me. fantasy book. It sounds really good. Well, it's, we will put it on our show page. You're going to have to write this down, but it's called When the Angels Left the Old Country by Sasha Lamb. And if it's a young adult book. It's a young, young adult book. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. What did you read? Well, my when when this topic got, or this category got assigned to us, I went to my <laughs> daughter, Tessa, and said, what should I read? And she said, oh, take take this book off my shelf and it's called one of us is lying by Karen McManus. Right. And this was a very popular book. It's a couple years, you know, I'd mm-hmm. say three, four years old. It's been around. She has since published a sequel yes. to this and it has been made into a TV series on Hulu. I think is, is where it is. I did. I'll get to that. <laughs> but the um, the story is about it's about a group of high school students who are serving detention when one of the students named Simon has he dies of anaphylactic shock mm-hmm. and they they're all witnesses to to his death. Um, and of course, the the novel goes on who, you know, it is his death is shortly after it happens um, determined to have been a murder, right? And then it's a whodunit, mm-hmm. right? And of course, we have all the typical high school archetypes, right? The, those were all the kids in the room, mm-hmm. you know, the the jock, the delinquent, the beauty, the brain, and the outcast, <laughs> right? Which Simon was was the outcast. Okay. So then the the four remaining students they become known as the Bayview Four. You know, they okay. come like they get all this notoriety and all the news stations are following the story and, you know, all all that, all the things that typically happen in, mm-hmm. you know, when you're trying to determine who, who done, who done it. Yeah. Right. So when, when it is revealed in the story that Simon, the one who died, kept, wrote a buzzy, gossipy kind of blog mm-hmm. um, that always came out with these very private secrets and information about the kids in the school, not necessarily the kids in the room, Mm -hmm. but kids in the school. When that gets uncovered, these, the Bayview four, they find out that he had secrets on them and that these secrets were, were imminently going to be put out. So exactly. So um, they get very, you know, they're very concerned about this and they become more determined to solve the murder. And um, hijinks, as we love to say on this show, hijinks ensue. So like any good murder mystery, pretty much everyone in the room has a motive, right? Because he's got some data. Exactly, exactly. And it's really, the characters were really well-developed. They went so far beyond the stereotype, you know, that, of the, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, but you, you develop an empathy for all of these kids, right? Sure. And you keep in mind that these are seniors in high school right. and this event has happened to them right. and they have to grapple with the, the complications yeah. and the, the consequences of it. There was a great twist 
to this mm-hmm. uh, that I did not see coming. Now, Tessa said, oh, well, I saw it coming a mile away. <laughs> well, of course you did, because you're you. But um, yeah, she said she saw it coming. I totally did not see it coming at all. I thought it was brilliant. It drove me to finish, like not move so I could finish the rest it's of the book and see. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but really, really well paced. Um Great characters. So as an adult reading a book that was written for young adults, it's still, it's a crossover read. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And so this has been me. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to read the sequel or not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I might mm-hmm. just because I'm curious. Sure. Um, but the, the television show, so it was made into a series and it's on Hulu. That's what my notes say. Mm-hmm. And I did watch a few episodes of it. And I didn't find it to be as compelling right. as the the book. Yeah, I mean that rarely that rarely rarely happens. You know when a show is as good, the television show is as good as the book. But um, it gave me, you know, very much like Pretty Little Liars and Gossip Girl, and right. you know the, all those similar vibes, and you know. Um, but really, really great. It's called one again. It's called One of Us Is Lying by Karen McManus, and highly recommend. Yeah, it's been very popular at the library, multiple copies, and as is the sequel that came out. So yeah, um, yeah, come in the library and grab that. Yeah, check That's it awesome. Out. Yeah. So readers, if our listeners, if you readers and listeners, if you have Hopefully any, uh, yeah, right. If you have any recommendations for young adult fiction that you think we should check out, please hit us up on our Instagram or our um, send us an email and let us know what we should check out. And in the meantime, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ample oxygen is a basic requirement for human molecular metabolism. Welcome back, listeners. We're at the conversation portion of our AAC podcast, where we bring in an interesting inside look over contributing to the work, move, play, lifestyle that we all enjoy on this side of the Sierra Nevada. So today we are super honored to have a long-term supervisor with us, yes. two elected officials in the room. I'm super <laughs> excited about that because I really believe in serving a government. Um, and today we have Linda Salcedo from District 5 in Mono County. Welcome, Linda. Welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> We're super happy you could make time to meet with us today. Um, you know, we always start our conversation just by learning a little bit about, you know, who the person is and how they ended up in Mono County. Can you tell us your origin story? Sure. Uh, that'd be great. Um I started coming to Mammoth um, about 1978. I came here to learn to ski mm-hmm. um, with a bunch of uh, friends. And that was um, my first time I could get this other action in Mammoth Lakes. Um, fast forward to about 1990, um, where we decided to, as a family, come up here and celebrate Thanksgiving. Came up here, you know, sort of from a bit of family, bought a condo here in 1992. Right. And then in 1996, I was going to um, be um, living on my own with my children and decided to move here. So my little U-Haul and my little Jeep and my two kids who were in kindergarten and sixth grade (laughs) came up here and um, moved into Sunny Creek 2 for a few years and then um, met my um, husband, mm-hmm. Greg Newbury, and we decided to um, move to Crowley, which you know kind of offered a bigger neighborhood for the, the children. So we lived down there then until 1990, or I'm sorry, until 2016, 
when the kids were off and away to college and didn't need anything house in So we decided to come into town and moved back into um, uh, town and have a smaller condo, which is really fun. Yeah, and nice. don't have to drive back and forth all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how I came to be here. Right. But it was, you know, as most of us do, you move here. Um, without um, thinking about maybe where you're going to work and right. what your career going to be here, because it will change us, you know, drastically yeah. from what you might have done right. in another location. I moved up at the time from Long Beach, um, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, still here. I'm coming up on thirty years. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you're an official local now. I think so. Almost, <laughs> almost a native. You get close to to being a local by that time. Yeah, so, yeah. That's what we did. You you've experienced it all. All of the, <laughs> yes. the big winters, the dry winters, the the, 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 the smoke, the, the fires, you know, everything. Yeah, we're through the pandemic here, so we all have spent our time, you know, doing that. And last last summer or last winter I checked off another box. Didn't it? Bell. Yes. Yeah. Biggest winter ever. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> so well I think what I, what I love about this because your story is a film that we've heard from many people, right? Is that people come up here to experience it for skiing or for vacation or hiking. And then some, you know, connected travel, yeah, they're going to be able to go to live here. And that's absolutely taking an adventure on. Right. right. packed up with two young children and move up here and decide you're going to go full time in the Eastern Sea. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. But it's exciting. I knew one person. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the children started a school and I started coming you know, volunteering at the school mm-hmm. to be, be part of that. Mm-hmm. And then when I took my children mm-hmm. back soon to the health department, I'm like, but what do you do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hey. I do. I mentioned any you know, mm-hmm. administrative staff. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon I have a part-time job of the health department. And then fast forward, you're running the home department. <laughs> they're like, well, what did you used to do? <laughs> You could do this. Yeah. 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 I always tell people, if you want to be involved, you just got to show up. So So true. true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many opportunities here to do pretty much whatever you want to do. Yes. Um, I, that's one of the things I've been so great about the schools here is that anything that a child wants to participate in is open to them. It's not the competition that you have in the big schools down south. And mm-hmm. it's the same, I think, for the work, almost for the work environment. Mm-hmm. So depending on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so you mentioned you started in health. <laughs> And today you're a quantity supervisor. Mm-hmm. What is the path that got that started <laughs> to? Because you've worn a number of hats. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It um, you know, the, the kind of work I did down south, which was teaching uh and administrative work, wasn't really available there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I had to, you know, kind of think about okay, how would you then make a career here? And you know, my primary concern at the time is my children in the little, you know, getting into new schools, which turned out to be Actually, pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. My son was in sixth grade, and you know, and we, we felt like he did really well. My little one was small, and right? So we it all it all worked out really well, I think, school wise for me. Um, so the health department, I started doing um, um, car seats. I was like the safety oh, coordinator. I was the safety coordinator. Yes, and exactly. I told my friends down south, and I said, "You don't know how to do that." <laughs> I said, "Children, I can figure it out. You know, I could do that." So I started doing that, and then. You know, kind of got into the administration of the health department. And as a, as a registered nurse who also 
um, held you know, advanced degrees, you're automatically a public profness all right. of a sudden. Right. Oh, I'm already a public profness. <laughs> uh, and so that was a great uh, journey. Yeah. And it was almost uh, almost 20 years. I think we did a lot of things. I loved working with the community. I loved doing all the different variety of programs that public health was involved in. I was really a, an honor and a privilege to work with that staff and go to our community and get to know, right? Keep on that level. It was, it was fabulous. And then when I stepped back to, you know, maybe do some other things, then COVID, you know, yes. and they reached out to the city to be able to come back and be the public health director because of some um, things going on in the background there. And I said, okay, sure. <laughs> what what are you going to say? The one person in the county who has ever done that job in the past, you know, so of course. Of yeah. course, right. I right. back into that. And at the time, I was also on town council, right now, which grew out of being retired, quote, quote, for 20 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't have hobbies. I work. Right. You know, that's right. what I do. So, oh, I'll run for town council because that seemed like a bad idea. And it actually was. I enjoyed being on town council very much. It was it was uh, quick. You're able to do stuff quickly and you know, kind of nimbly. And having been up at county for 20 years, that was a different world for me. I didn't know the world of town very well. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. So that's where you get past COVID, and now it's almost the end of the term. We finished mm-hmm. you know, four years of just right. flown by. Sure. And um, Stacey Corliss, who was our present district um, supervisor, did a fabulous job. Yeah. Approached me and said, you know, I'm not going to be running again. Would you consider it? And I said, well, maybe we should find someone who really be passionate about that. And mm-hmm. turned around and that seemed to be me. <laughs> so I went ahead and, and ran and, um, you know, was elected and had been on um, uh, supervisor now for, um, well, since January. Yeah. And it's been great because it is a world that I, I know a little bit about. It's mm-hmm. a, a place where I know a lot of the people. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the work that they do. And I'm passionate about our county about our residents, about the services that we provide, about the you know, forward path of what we're going to be providing as, you know, as the world goes on and new technologies and everything that pass you about, you know, preventing, you know, more fire on our, on our, on our land yeah. and yeah. about um, housing and about equity and about all the things that really, you know, are very important to people that will be working with us. So, yeah, I'm in a great position to work on those things and, like I said, I don't have hobbies, so this is... <laughs> well, can I ask a question? Do you ask this? Because you are both elected officials multiple times, and I say, I you've been elected two boys. What is, is passion the thing that you need? to? Because choosing to run for office, you're putting yourself out there. And everyone who's got an opinion is going to share their opinion of you, sometimes constructively and sometimes perhaps not. Uh, I mean, it's really a demanding role. So... Is passion really the, the key character thing that you have to have to take on? No, I think, oh, I don't know. I think it depends on your sort of definition of passion. My first elective in Long County was on the hospital district board. Mm-hmm. It was in 1998 or something. Mm-hmm. And that definitely became a passion project mm-hmm. because what has happened in the hospital district at the hospital in the last mm, several years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been um, unimaginable in a small rural hospital. Mm-hmm. The services we're able to provide there, the way in which we care for people, the facilities we built have been just enormously amazing. And that is because we have a very specific set of circumstances around 
having a ski mountain located in our in our district and the services that we're able to um, promote for people and provide for people is astonishing. Mm-hmm. So that was very much a passion, but it was also, if passion is defined as a deep caring, yeah. and I think that that is you know, definitely, um, I guess, what it takes to be an effective board member, mm-hmm. an effective elected official. You don't mm-hmm. need it to get elected, right? but I think you need it to be successful and to really make a difference. Yeah. Do you agree, so? I absolutely agree. It's funny that you asked that question because, you know, one thing I've known when the first, since pretty much I got here and mm-hmm. I'm here 20 years, You're it almost is almost, <laughs> um, you know, is, is Linda's one of the most compassionate person so that I know. And um, she has such a great manner of working with people, of, of being such a good listener, of you know, making you feel heard. And so I was going to say, how do you do that and keep such good boundaries? Because, you know, we're we're friends outside of working together. And that I that's a it's a hard thing to have here in this town is to have those boundaries between when I'm wearing my board of supervisors hat or my county superintendent's hat mm-hmm. versus where I'm just being my being with my friend. So, yeah, I was thinking to say, I'm wondering how you manage that. Because you do it so well. Like you still say too. I think when I came here, I hadn't, you know, I had a background of work in um, the medical field where I was either an instructor where you have to have a bit of a boundary between yourself and your students. Mm-hmm. I worked in the hospice field for a long time, which mm-hmm. you have to make self-boundaries or you can't be bored. Right. Like it's too hard to bring that home to the table mm-hmm. of your personal life every single day. So I think there was a little bit of practice yeah. around that maybe. But I think also it's just, you know, when you have a busy life and you have children and you have, you know, lots of things going on and you you need to sell more. You need to sell them with that. But I never, you know, really did it conscious in that because um, I just feel that, you know, as people in helping fields, whether that be education, medical, um, and, um, government, mm-hmm. you're there to listen to people. You're there to hear their story, because when that integrates into the rest of what you know about the topic, and it helps you be more effectively formulated in your head, you know, ways to solve problems, ways to envision new solutions, ways to make things better ultimately. Mm-hmm. That's the point. Absolutely. So before we leave the topic of your career, Linda, I just want to call out and, and say thank you for your work with Starting work with car seats, you just mentioned yes. that. Because <laughs> I've learned a lot about car seats in the last year. I was really good at car seats. I used to tell people sometimes the only thing that would survive a crash would be the car seats. Seat. Oh, yeah. Certainly yeah. not the car. Yeah. the car seats. Yeah. I do want to, and I call that out as well, because I'm going to do a little plug for the Southern Libraries in the county right okay. now. We're doing a partnership with Mono Safe Kids. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll send this my predecessor of the library. Mono, we connect with for only young uh, and normal family people get any of our libraries and request a free course seat. And they will yeah. have a technician. We now have trained technicians to uh, the library available. Plenty of schedule an appointment with them to come in and they will install the car seat and go over 
That's yeah, yeah really, no, really proud of that program. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So, so yeah, I just want to get that plug in there and say thank you because I didn't even. People get trained for three days to get know how to put in corsets. I had no Well, idea. you need that training. Have you ever tried to put in a car seat? It is, you know, it takes you know, <laughs> it takes a village. He knows, yeah. It takes a village. <laughs> it does. But when I went to the training, it was five days. Oh my <laughs> and, and and I would crawl into the back seat, put your knee in the seat, put your back against the top of the car and and push down to get it that really tight. And, you know, things have changed. That was yeah. before the latch system. Right, right, right. But now they're amazing. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> technology is amazing. Well, good for you guys. That's, you yeah. know, that's awesome. It's a big thing. It is awesome. I just want to get my club in there. That was good. That's <laughs> so with all of your busyness, you, you've said a couple of times you don't really have hobbies other than work, but what, what do you like to do for fun and adventure? I know we do a great travel. We do. I mean, we have six children. Yeah. And so we have a lot of family to do, which is great fun. And it was fun when the children, the kids went off to college yes. and were in different locations and going to the, I mean, that's been, been great fun. Um, and so we do a bit of that. We do, um, we have one of our children, our son is in Japan. Right. So we go there about you and he's about station and you know, to hike and our schools. Yes. And then, our younger daughter has actually moved to, we have uh, two other daughters in California, Colorado, Pennsylvania, and Japan. So we're, you oh, know, we're a, a, a lot of long lot of distance travel. Um, we do have uh, a dog. We lost our dog about a year or so ago, having a dog. So oh. we have, we're great dog adventurers. We're dog <laughs> everywhere. A lot of yeah. walking, a lot of hiking, a lot of whatever. We just enjoy that very much. Um, you know, we love having friends over. We are going to study public planning, so traveling a bit. We like cook meals and have everybody go over and play in the backyard. So I think those are, you know, the main um, activities. I maybe mean, like using some of the music concerts. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about those on the podcast, all the things happening. And, yeah, and tonight, yeah. Well, no, no pond tonight. Yeah, <laughs> tonight, lots of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think those, and just enjoying what we are. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you travel and you think, oh, what I want, and someone will say to me, where do you guys going to end up? Mm-hmm. And it always puzzles. It's like, I thought we did that. I thought I was there. Yeah. <laughs> And so there's nowhere at this point in my life that I look back at you right. or living here. Winter is not, you know, that. <laughs> so far, we've managed to get to this. And yeah, I'm so thank you so much for having me. I think that's awesome. I mean, you, you live in a place, you're, you're privileged to live in a place where many people save that money to come vacation. Absolutely. So it's, yeah. The wealth I can hide. And we, we hiked with our pups, like you did two cities. Mm-hmm. That's what we love about hiking in Nigeria. Because mm-hmm. everyone's not their dog, but it takes a long time to get down the trail once you pet it, everyone's dog. Right. And, you know, it's so much fun. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, it's in the community here. Why would you want to be, you know, it's it's such a tight knit community and everybody's there to support one another. And you, I think you really feel that the, the longer you live here, the more that becomes. Yeah. Talking about parent, yeah. Sure. And, you know, especially during the, the COVID years, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the, for the most part, the community that really worked on 12 to better to get to the other side of this yeah. was, was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am getting aware of what other small partners were going through, mm-hmm. some of the things that they had to turn the ladder through, and we, we did well. 
I, I agree. From from the looking at from the education side of mm-hmm. things, I would absolutely echo that. That mm-hmm. um, we were really we were nimble, we were communicative, we really got on top of things, and um, you know tried to make the best of a really bad situation. And, and not perfectly. I mean, no. lessons learned certainly, which we hope we don't have to like to use in any time in the future. But you know, my my. This during public health, I worked with uh, Dr. Nick Johnson, who was a health officer for many years, who after you know, 9-11, they activated public health around in potential by terrorism attacks. Mm-hmm. And so we had drilled an exercise actually quite a bit locally. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was kind of funny that Rick came back, I came back, so by their staff came back, Google me have been here all those years, came back. With some of that memory, with some of that knowledge, which I think helped us in yeah. some ways too. And, well, and I and I think too, having gone through COVID and then having this last winter that we had, I mean, I think we really employed a lot of the lessons that we learned in COVID mm-hmm. to this past winter. And had we not had that experience, we might not have been as as nimble and able to support one another as we were, because it was almost like we went right back into that. Point I'm really glad you mentioned that because yeah. I, I have that same thought as I watched through setting up emergency operations centers and stuff for the storm-related events. And those people had that memory, right. you know, had yeah. that, that, that sort of muscle memory of, okay, we need to set this up, and these are the people, a lot of the same people are still here, but you know how to do this, you know how to communicate. Again, not perfectly, and you learned a lot of lessons learned from those events, but I, I think yeah. it did, it did show itself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of compassion. So, Linda, we always ask our guests, one of our favorite questions to ask them uh, is, what are you reading now? So, can you tell us? Sure. Thank you for asking that. You know, when I first moved here, I, I joined the, um, a, a book club. And then at one time, I was in two book clubs. Um, and, I, and I just really always enjoyed, um, you know, bringing books to the table that, you know, maybe weren't on the book club best sellers, something that might be a little, a little different. So I was reading a book that I got, I think I, I saw it in, a, in the book joint and I liked the front of the book so much. Isn't that, that what draws us? Yeah. <laughs> and the book is actually called The Phone Booth at the Edge of the World. Oh, I love that book. Did you read it? Yes, I did read it. I'm sorry. You, you describe it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And it was by um, Laura Amai Messina. And it's a small book. It's it's not a hard read, but it's a very... Well, it's about a woman. The, the central character is a woman who lost her mother and her daughter, Jenny Sonami. And her grief and how she's navigating. And she hears about this phone booth that um, is actually a real home that's sort of not hooked up to anything, but it's in the back of this gentleman's garden that he's sort of tended. And people go there to speak to loved ones that they oh. lost. Many of them are, you know, related to the Sonami and it was actually there. And it's just her story of the people she made, the relationship she makes, the processing of her grief. It's just, it's a lovely book. Yeah, I found it a lovely book to develop. Again, it is a brief book, so you can read this book on the afternoon, really. But if you're in a space where you're struggling, or having lost someone or someone, yeah. I'm sure you feel that other people's yeah. space, it might be there as well. But just the act of, 
We have like those books that we have like multiple copies of, so we can make sure that we still have ours, but we love to share those. And so, does your book club bring mostly fiction, or you guys all it's over like now? Yeah, it's a mix. Cool. Yeah, can, everybody puts some of we've had. We have several books by local authors mm-hmm. that we've brought to the table. Um, yeah, it's just a, a nice mix. And um, Jody Sage, a dear friend of mine who passed away a few years ago, was in our book club, and she used to say, I may not like the book, but I consider it my home. I don't think I like it, but sometimes at the end, I know, oh, I'm so glad I have that. Yeah, yeah. of course. That's we have that experience on the podcast, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other thing I love about them is, like, same little caddy in general, you can plug your swing a cat in a certain way in a book club. There are book clubs so all true. over the place, which is yeah. really reflective of the passion to, you know, the happy to spend my time with Joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. In Competech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.